1: good morning it is thursday january 28th you're listening to the college football daily my name is trey scott i'll be joined by josh pate in just a few minutes but before we get to a conversation about the sec's new schedule that was just released wednesday afternoon we have even bigger news in the sec and that's that tennessee has hired a head coach Uh, I i almost said finally It actually hasn't been that long, but when you're the only school conducting a head coaching search and you take five days to do it, it feels like an eternity. In actuality, the hire of Josh Heupel from Central Florida was a much smoother process than the one in 2017 when Tennessee went through nine, ten candidates and an AD ousting to land on Jeremy Pruitt, who ended up spiraling in Knoxville and was... A total disaster all things considered we will see if Hypel fares much better in three years as UCF's head coach he's 28 and 8 overall inherited a really good situation from Scott Frost and he's 19 and 5 in the American Conference offense is the name of the game for Hypel. he was a national championship winning quarterback at Oklahoma in 2000 he was the Sooners OC for a while ended up actually getting fired by Bob Stoops, his former head coach, and then his boss as the OC, landed at Missouri and did a really good job with Drew Locke, a good enough job to to catch the attention of Danny White down in Orlando. And as it turns out, Danny White, when he gets uh, the Tennessee job, he goes through his candidates. He makes James Franklin say no, makes PJ Flex say no, vets guys like Tony Elliott, the OC at Clemson, and Sonny Dykes, head coach at SMU, and lo and behold, ends up hiring Josh Heupel. I'm not gonna say this was the most popular hire, that Tennessee could have made. The, the fan base is a little bit underwhelmed. There is no Greg Shiano situation playing out. And as it always happens with any head coach, you do your press conference. Even if you don't win it, just do a good job. Have a good press conference. Move forward. Make a good staff. Come up with a cool hashtag to tweet every time you get a new commit. Sign a good class in your first full year. Put up some points. Trash talk your rival, maybe win a few games. I think Tennessee fans will eventually buy into Josh Heupel because it is a very passionate fan base to say the least. So Heupel actually did have his press conference on Wednesday afternoon, uh, met with the media in Knoxville. He said all the things that you have to say to win the opening press conference, including how excited he is to be there. Excited about what we're embarking on. Excited to, to be a part of Ball Nation. Excited to do my very best for the state of Tennessee every single day. I promise you that our staff will do the exact same thing. And I promise you that we're gonna embark on going to become what we're capable of as, fo- as a football program day by day and go chase championships and win those championships. Going to be cool to see the dominoes now that fall in college football. UCF has to hire a head coach to replace Hypel as he builds his staff. So who does he poach from, And then who does UCF hire? Because of Tennessee's looming sanctions, likely within the NCAA, some people are making the argument that UCF is going to be a more more desirable job than Tennessee was. I'm not sure about that, but UCF has a history now of sending coaches off to power five programs, Scott Frost in Nebraska, Josh Heupel to Tennessee. UCF's in a great part of the country. Uh, UCF has a great recruiting base. UCF is more positioned than Tennessee to be atop its conference. And UCF has a uh, fan base that, while expecting to win all of its games and, and wanting to make the New Year Six, is a little bit less cutthroat than the Vols. So we'll see who Central Florida hires. In other news today, the SEC announced its schedule for the 2021 college football season. And it was quite a delight to see non-conference opponents on that schedule. It sounds like the rest of the conferences will follow suit the rest of the week, expecting the ACC to do so on Thursday. But for now, I spoke with Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports and hosted the Late Kick show on YouTube about his winners from the SEC schedule release and his general takeaways as we move back to the eight-game format and away from the 10-game pandemic-forced format that we got through this past season. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll talk to Josh.
0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: All right, fresh off of his appearance as the host of the five-star reveal show for 24 7 Sports, here's Josh Pate, as previously teased. Josh, you're an SEC expert, and I got to know, when you look at this schedule, are you a little bit let down that there is a, uh, we're back to the eight eight conference game schedule format instead of the 10?
0: Well, yeah, me personally, I am. I think, you know, it's, you and I probably both heard the same thing. When you kind of got whispers or talked to people around the SEC over the span of this season, there was this gulf between what public perception was and what coaches thought. Coaches hated that schedule by and large because they had no downtime, like they had no rest time, and no one was feeling sorry for them outside. We loved it because there really is a beauty in being able to look like you and I probably both are right now at this nice, neat helmet grid-type schedule, and there is no Wofford, there is no Mercer, all due respect, of course, but there there are none of those teams. It's just every week, it's Arkansas, it's Georgia, it's Missouri, it's Ole Miss, et cetera. So, yeah, from that standpoint, looking at that October 23rd to October 30th stretch on the schedule the SEC released today, and then, of course, you got the early season games and the second-to-last-week sort of games. Yeah, it is a little bit of a letdown. However, here's the trade-off, Trey. Are we really going to start on September 4th? And are we really going to have people in the stands? If you can give me those two things, I'll be more than happy to break down Alabama versus Mercer all podcast long.
1: Yeah, you're so right. It's a trade-off of, all right, well, we're going to have to watch Alabama versus New Mexico State on the 13th of November, but we also get Alabama versus Miami on September 4th. We've got to watch Georgia versus Charleston Southern but we've also got we, we get to see Georgia versus Clemson in Week One in Charlotte. So I think it's nice to have it back. I, and I, and when you look at that Week One schedule, I mean Alabama's is playing Miami, Georgia is playing Clemson, Ole Miss is playing Louisville, LSU is playing UCLA. It, it's not all horrible. Like there's some there's something you can talk yourself into there. And and I think over the course of the of the season, there's there's plenty of good games. Auburn at Penn State, uh, one that stands out. So. I was struggling, though, like the SEC Network, Josh, did that hour and a half long reveal. I was just drowning in Alabama's individual schedule and Kentucky's individual schedule. You sent me this helmet grid. It's very helpful. I'll make sure to include a link to it in our show notes. And as you survey this grid, you had an interesting winner for us. And it's not a team many people talk about.
0: First off, you did not grow up in a reputable Southern house if you did not have the helmet grid schedule magnetized on your fridge. So you could look at it from like July, August, that's normally when they would come out. So well, hold on,
1: grid. hold on, hold on. Are you telling me you had the whole conference magnetized on your fridge? Like I had the, I had the Texas schedule, but I'm not, I wasn't a big 12 fan enough to have the whole big 12. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't care when Kansas plays Iowa State. Listen, that is such a
0: simpleton amateur hour fridge, in my opinion. But see, Trey, that's the difference in growing up in a region where people chant Texas and then people chant Big 12 or Big SEC because, yeah, yeah, man, I had all of it. And it's nice and neat. Look at this. It's one piece of paper that you'd have to print out. So you are asking about winners. And uh, it's obviously, this is a very trick question because I think there's this tendency and it's so common sense that maybe you underthink the room. It's common sense when you look at an SEC schedule to say, I think Alabama's got one of the easiest schedules. Well, here is the very common sense reason why. They can't play themselves. And so Alabama's never on Alabama's own schedule, and they are on everyone else's schedule in the West. So by default, if you get that good, then you soften up your own schedule. But I go all the way down to the SEC East, and I go all the way down to Missouri. And if you look across the board really quick at Missouri, it doesn't seem like the garden variety easy schedule, but I'm calling them a winner. Okay, they go to Boston College. That's a very solid out-of-conference trip and out-of-conference opponent. Uh, They got North Texas, I think, yeah, somewhere in the middle of the year. So they've got Central Michigan to open. They play Southeast Missouri at Boston College and North Texas. Not in a row, but those are their out-of-conference games. Here's what I want to do, though, Trey. So we start getting to the meat of their schedule, which is October 16th. So they play Texas A&M October 16th. They end up playing at Georgia. They end up playing South Carolina. They end up playing Florida. They end up playing at Arkansas. I want you to listen to this, though. So starting on October 16th, they play Texas A&M. The week before that, Texas A&M plays Alabama. So That's obviously Missouri's biggest game to date, and it's one of those fabled letdown spots. We move down the road a little bit. November 6th, they go to Georgia. So it's Missouri versus Georgia. The week before that, Georgia plays Florida. The next week, Missouri plays South Carolina the week before that South Carolina plays Florida. And then at the end of the year, they go to Arkansas the week before that Arkansas plays Alabama. And so the only premier opponent in conference that they have on their schedule that does not have an extremely difficult game on their schedule the week before they play Missouri is Florida. Florida, I think has, who do they have? They have like Samford, not Stanford, Samford, the week before they play Missouri, but otherwise these teams that you have to play. So you got to draw these teams regardless. They're division opponents by and large. That is the opportune moment to be playing them in that letdown spot. I don't believe the look ahead spot exists as much in college football with the proliferation of gambling talk. Everyone's aware. It's so saturated. It's so in the mentality of everyone, but the letdown spot has a lot of physical attributes to it. You could be physically worn down the look-ahead spots all mental the letdown spots half mental half physical so it matters a lot more to me Missouri I think got a, a very advantageous draw here and hey if you want to call Tennessee earlier in the season if you want to call the Vols one of their big games well they play Tennessee the week after Tennessee has played Florida mm. so it sets up perfectly for Missouri
1: it's remarkable that you just did that let's um let's let's say on the grid and let's go through the new coaches, the new schools. And let's, let's, uh, let's have you point out the toughest first test test for all of them. And it will be a little bit more difficult when we get all the way down to Vanderbilt. That's not a shot at our friend Barton Simmons, but it will be, but let, let's start with Auburn Brian Harson. I'm going to read out the schedule. You tell me when it gets difficult. This one's going to be easy. Josh Akron, Alabama state.
0: All right, slow down now, slow down now, slow down, really slow and read this next one. Really, really slow. Just for my own amusement.
1: At. Penn State.
0: Can you believe this? In September, Auburn's going to play a football game in the state of Pennsylvania.
1: It's crazy. I, I mean, they're lucky it's not It's not. You know, November, but I can't wait for that game.
0: It's great, and it's not – normally the big-time premier out-of-conference games for the SEC are in week one, and most of the time – not all the time, but most of the time they're neutral side. I can't remember a week three true home-and-home home type situation where, like, Auburn's going to Penn State here – it's beautiful. I mean, even though Penn State's helmet's totally white, I'm looking at it right now and where it's positioned on the schedule. It's beautiful. I
1: love this. Continue. I, I wonder if, uh, if Bo Nix is, if he's, you know, eased himself in by week three. That's going to be a uh, pretty angsty game for Brian Harson. All right. The next new coach we've got South Carolina. Okay. We're going to do three of the last four, uh, uh, four of the last five alphabetically. South Carolina, Eastern Illinois for Frank B or Shane Beamer is the opener at East Carolina, oh, man, at Georgia. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, and then Kentucky. I mean, and then you get Troy, but then you're at Tennessee. Like, that's a a tough week. Week three is going to be tough.
0: Yeah, it's tough. And then, obviously, you've got Kentucky coming in there afterwards. I mean, I don't know how many games we want to pencil in as wins for South Carolina. I assume that we can do that for Eastern Illinois at East Carolina. I assume we can do that. Assumptions can be very dangerous sometimes, but when they get down the stretch, like you wonder a lot of times you can categorize teams where here, here's your toughest stretch. Here's your easiest stretch. Carolina really doesn't have that. They've got Georgia in week three. They've got at Tennessee in week six. They've got at a in week eight. They've got Florida in week 10. They got at Missouri, Auburn, Clemson to end hmm. the year. Welcome home, Shane Beamer.
1: They, the, the last five could easily all all five be losses. It probably won't break out like that, but it could be. Tennessee, new head coach, Josh Heupel. Bowling Green, not a very good MAC team. I'm assuming Pitt in week two. Josh, is that something that, that flags your radar? Because if not, it's it's at Florida, September 25th.
0: If all we did was switch the helmet designs and you had Pitt with Tennessee's team and Tennessee with Pitt's team, you would solidly favor, I think, Tennessee to be able to win that game. So I think tradition kind of shackles your mind a little bit. I think Pitt has a very strong chance to contend with Tennessee in week two. And I think some people, you know, more so where I grew up, they'd be hesitant in saying that. I don't think there's any reason to be hesitant. Like these have been these teams and programs have put very comparable products on the field, if not Pitt being superior over the last few years.
1: So poor Vanderbilt did not did not win a game. In 2020, but the good news is the non-conference games are back. I mean, FCS, East Tennessee State in week one, you got Colorado State, you got Stanford, your academic rival in week three. You do get UConn in October that first week. UConn did not play football in 2020. Rather than like find their their first most challenging test or insult them by finding their most winnable game, Josh, what do you think would be a fair benchmark for Clark Lee and, and his staff to try to hit in year one?
0: Well, first off, you know that I live and breathe for academic rivalries. It's what I think the entire sport's founded on. <laughs> Secondly, I think three wins, two 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 and a half wins is a fair over under. And let's just set the bar low. Anything is better than what we did last year sort of deal. Can we also acknowledge that multiple SEC teams are going to be playing in the state of Colorado in week two? I don't know that that's ever happened before.
1: Oh, we got Colorado State and Colorado
0: we got Vanderbilt at Colorado State, and then AM is inexplicably playing a game in Denver versus Colorado. I don't know who got
1: how big 12 at, rivals.
0: Yeah. Well, how that's the only reason because otherwise I'm asking myself, how late at night did that thing get set?
1: That's bizarre. That's not even going to look good on the field together. The gold helmet, the maroon helmet, the black, and it's, I don't like that.
0: Maroon and faded gold is not your palette. You're saying
1: it's no. not no.
0: Paint scheme in the bedroom?
1: No, it's that it wasn't on the fridge either. Josh, this was really good. I uh, I appreciate your tip-off with, with this schedule grid. I'm going to look at it the rest of the afternoon, and I'm going to think about what you had to say about Missouri. I might hit that over when the wind totals come out. Appreciate it.
0: I really want to warn you of one more thing, Trey, if I can. If Georgia beats Clemson in week one, If you don't like the University of Georgia, if you find Georgia fans to be particularly insufferable, buy the best set of earplugs you have. Because if they get past Clemson in week one, let me just read it. UAB, South Carolina, at Vandy, Arkansas, at Auburn, Kentucky. They're a double-digit favorite the rest of the way so far. Versus Florida is the only time they're not a double-digit favorite. They've got Missouri, yes. At Tennessee, yes. Charleston Southern, yes. At Georgia Tech, yes. It will be a situation... like you've never seen before with Georgia, at least where after week one, these people are angling for which playoff game
1: they're going to be in. I mean, I I, I had Georgia number two in our preseason poll. Like I, I I'm a believer. I think JT Daniels is going to get more hype as, as the off season months go by. I think that I, I think that Clemson game is going to be the game of the year in college football. Beautiful
0: week one already. So let down, it's basically a crescendo week one. And then we slowly decline after that.
1: Appreciate Josh joining us. He had a busy day hosting the five-star reveal show, reacting to the Tennessee news, and then joining me for an interview for the college football daily. I'm sure he's got some things cooking up as well on the late kick podcast. Thanks again to him. Thanks to our producer Lance Glenn for putting this thing together, including finding some four or five clips from Hypel's press conference and, and and clipping them and asking which one I liked best. And I said, Lance, they all kind of sound like the same coach speak cliches. You can choose my name is Trey Scott. We'll talk to y'all on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.
0: twenty third. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil, returns. We've already hunted werewolves. Oh, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> <laughs> Okie okay, Dookie. Okay. Prepare yourself. You will not beat awesome. us. For the end.
1: I have vision somehow. Make it stop, make it shut up.
0: <sighs> You're not gonna survive
1: this. Evil, the final season, streaming May twenty third, only on Paramount Plus.